0: Welcome to the Three P's of Cancer podcast, where we'll discuss prevention, preparedness, and progress in cancer treatments and research. Brought to you by the University of Michigan Rogel Cancer Center. I'm Scott Redding. We're here with pharmacist Shauna Kraft to discuss medical marijuana and pain management. Shauna is a board-certified oncology pharmacist and is the residency program director for the pharmacy postgraduate year two in oncology students. She presents nationally on several topics, including pain management, breast cancer, and melanoma. Her research interests are around supportive care and symptom management in patients with cancer, medical marijuana, oral chemotherapy, and immunotherapy in cancer patients. Welcome, Shauna. Hi. Michigan has had medical marijuana available for a few years now, and in 2018, recreational marijuana became legal. Can you explain the difference, if there is one, between medical and recreational marijuana?
1: Sure. Product-wise, marijuana is marijuana, so there's no difference in the products themselves. But who can access them and how they access them is different. Medical marijuana is the easy one um, in that we've had it since 2008. We have the regulations, the policies in place. Anyone, meaning of any age, can actually apply for medical marijuana card, um, even patients under the age of 18. If it's a minor under the age of 18, there's some additional paperwork. Guardians have to be involved. Otherwise, you can do your own paperwork uh, if you're over the age of 18. A physician does have to certify you, so there's no prescription. So the patient does not ask for a prescription for medical marijuana. They ask to be certified. So the physician, and it has to be an MD or a DO. So those are the only two healthcare providers that can sign off on certification. Once that is done, they apply to the state, get their card, and then they can get products from a um, state-licensed facility. Recreational marijuana, on the other hand, uh, we don't know yet, actually. So it's the same products. So presumably, if a, once these laws are in place, if you can purchase recreational marijuana, you're gonna get it from a similar place that you would get um, medical marijuana. We do know that you have to be at least 21 years old to purchase recreational marijuana. That was in the law. Beyond that, we don't have any of the regulations yet. The state is working on it. Should be later this year, December of this year or beginning of January 2020. We'll have some of that information.
0: Is the potency still the same between the, the two or is there is there differences in the makeup between?
1: Nope. When you If you were walking in, let's say today we could walk in and buy a recreational marijuana mm-hmm. product. Um, if you walked into a dispensary, or they're now called actually provisioning centers um, because of a law that went into place a couple of years ago, you walk into a provisioning center, you want to purchase recreational, you are have access to the same material, same products as a person who has medical marijuana.
0: Discussed a little bit here on, on the difference between medical and recreational. And I see a lot of places, um, and even I've seen stuff on social media talking about cbd oil and and how does that compare where does that fit in in the whole realm of uh, of any kind of medical medical or recreational marijuana
1: marijuana comes from like the flower of the plant and it can have several different components to it so thc which is probably the most well known and that is what gives you those psychoactive effects There's some other things, THCA, CBD, CBDA, and some other components that can come from the flower. That's where everything comes from. There was a farm bill passed in 2018 that federally allowed agriculture of industrial hemp. So it can be for clothing or other things. You can derive CBD from industrial hemp. In order for it to be sold legally, so not under like a marijuana law, it has to contain less than 0.3% THC to be sold and be legal um, from that st- federally from that standpoint. So that's why you can see like the CBD oil all over. Technically, to also be legal, though, that CBD oil, they're not supposed to be selling as a dietary supplement because of that means it needs to be regulated by the FDA, and it's currently not. Um, and if you are getting an edible CBD product, the edible CBD products fall under... The either the medical marijuana or a recreational marijuana law. So the edible products must come under that and cannot be sold over the counter, which is why everything you see is hemp oil, oil, CBD oil. You can kind of think of them as the same thing. That's where it's coming from. It's not coming from the flower of the plant. The industrial hemp is grown very differently um, from traditional marijuana.
0: You know, you talk about it coming from the flower and there's these Various different levels of THC and CBD and AB, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. How does that is is that in all forms of of um, medical marijuana, whether it's um, you know an edible or whether it's smoke or oil? Yes, so there's
1: a ton of different formulations actually of marijuana. Whether you're using it recreational or medical, they have there are. Um, oils that you can either use topically or you can use orally, smoking it, vaporizing it, um, patches, um, edibles. And every product is going to be a little bit different. So whenever they go to a dispensary or a provisioning center, it's finding out, you know, what is in there, how many milligrams of THC or how many milligrams of CBD. So some products are combination products, where there are some THC, some CBD, some are going to be more THC or maybe only THC. Some may only be CBD. So it's finding out what you are trying to treat to figure out, should you have something that's more THC, CBD, some combination of that. And then the product that you're looking at, what is the percentage of the different things that are in there? Um, and then looking at the milligrams of that for potency. Um to figure out, well, how much should you use? You know, if you have a liquid or an oil, are you, you know, how much is in one drop? So do you do one drop, two drops? Um, how many milligrams are in
0: each of those? Now, how is that determined on, on that level of you should get one drop, two drop, a, a full brownie, a portion of a brownie, you know, how sure. does that determine?
1: Well, it's tricky because it's going to likely depend on the person that's assisting you at the provisioning center. Um, depending on their knowledge of where you should start at like what dosage, their expertise on your condition that you're trying to treat and whether it's THC, CBD, if you have any use in the past, um, are you taking other medications that could be additive, additive effects? And so it depends really on the knowledge of the person that's helping you. I will say in general, what I tell patients is start low and go slow so understanding, depending on the product, when will you start to feel the effects? Like an edible is going to take two to three hours versus if you smoke a product, you're going to get very quick um, experience or very quick relief with that. So knowing like what type of product you're using, when you can expect an effect, and then just starting at a very low milligram. Um, but it's going to vary on understandings on that based on who's assisting you in choosing your product.
0: Am I able to still get the benefits if I don't want to get high from the medical marijuana?
1: Yeah, so it depends on what symptom you're trying to treat or what you're trying to achieve um, with using a marijuana product. There are some that are combination, um, which a lot of patients... So the THC, which is the psychoactive component, a lot of patients don't want to have that feeling. However, it does have some benefits for like nausea, vomiting that works well for patients. But one way to kind of Help with that side effect to make it a little bit less, but still get the benefit for the symptom. Is partnering it with CBD. So, if you have a product that's a combination product, that often will help you with something like nausea, vomiting, um, where you're not going to have that huge euphoria, high feeling, but you can still get some relief of, let's say, nausea, vomiting. You can get pure CBD products um, as well, which have none of that traditional euphoric CBD or um, euphoric high feeling. And you can still get some benefit from it. Um, Some folks, you know, have fine pain management from it, nausea, vomiting, um, other additional side effects. But you can still get a pure CBD product. I would say most patients tend to find the benefit from something that's some form of combination, some ratio of a combination product, but it can help blunt that side effect of that feeling high because most patients who are looking at this for specific symptoms don't want that feeling
0: Are there certain cancers or treatments that are better suited for someone benefiting by having a medical marijuana license?
1: So we have data in a couple different symptoms um, that some of our patients see. So nausea, vomiting, there's really good data. Um, Actually, because we also do have a product that is an FDA prescription product that is pure THC, Dronabinol, brand name Marinol. So that is pure THC. We've had that for several years. Um, and that has very good data for both um, appetite, stimulation, and for nausea, vomiting. So similarly, if you're using a not uh, not prescription product such as marijuana, you're also going to have some good benefit. Um, sleep, there's some good data with sleep, with CBD and THC. Pain is tricky. Most of the well-done studies that are looking at pain are often looking to see if patients who are using some type of medical marijuana product are reducing their use of opioids. Really, you know, we as we have this opioid epidemic in our country, if someone is going to use a marijuana product, you would think working for the pain, it would reduce their use of opioids. That has not been the case in the data that we've seen patients have the same amount of opioid use. So it does not appear that it's working enough for their pain that they can cut down on their opioids, at least in the well-done studies that we have published. Anecdotally, I have patients who do use it for pain, it says it works for them. Um, But the data from a global scale doesn't support that yet. So most of it, you know, nausea, vomiting, um, and sleep, and appetite are probably the big three that have the best data.
0: And would that be across any... Kind of cancer diagnosis or treatment, or is it more effective along those? So maybe who has chemotherapy compared to just a surgery or um, or even radiation, or how does it compare? It's so that?
1: tricky. It's I would say at this point in time with the data that we have, it would be, I would say that's applicable to all cancers. There's not enough data out there yet to say, oh, in this specific cancer, it's going to work best for this. We just don't have that information. What's also extremely difficult is having products cross comparison trials everyone's using different products the regulation is completely different some of the best data actually is coming out of israel and other places in europe where they actually have state regulated marijuana products so you know it's you know regulated as in a prescription type medication where you know you can compare it everyone's using the same type in the united states we do not have that so it's very difficult to say well this study didn't show any benefit but this study did it's highly unlikely they used even the same product, different combination of treatments, how pure was their product. It is very difficult to get the information, which is probably why we don't have some of that data yet. Um, so it makes it very difficult to for patients to make a full decision, which is why we hear anecdotally a lot of people get relief on various things. And it's they probably do, um, even though we don't have the data to back it up.
0: Without the regulation, um, like in some of the foreign countries... Um, how do people know that they're getting what they're getting?
1: Yep. So you need to go to a state provisioning center. So a state licensed provisioning center, um, if you really want to have guaranteed, they are now required, um, uh, as of, I can't remember if as of last year, I believe to now actually send their products off for testing. Um, We actually have a local place around here that does the state-regulated testing. And that way, when you are purchasing your product, you know it has X percent of this, X percent of that in it. Some places, although this is not required by law, I don't believe, will also report out if there's mold or uh, any contaminants or pesticides. But most places, it's not required, so you may not have that information. I would say if you want to have guaranteed, at least somewhat of a guarantee of what your product is, go to a state provisioning center. They're listed uh, online through the Michigan.gov website. You can find like a map of where they are so that you know that they're at least sending their products off. If you walk into a provisioning center and it is not directly provided to you what exactly their testing showed for the product, I would ask for it because they have to have it, Um it's some folks I do know get it from a trusted caregiver, so someone that's growing it for them. So then they probably know their practices and their extraction, however that goes. So if they're comfortable with that, I think that's okay. Um, it depends on how well versed their caregiver is at dosing that out. Um, so that's a little harder, <laughs> but otherwise I would encourage them because since you don't really know oh, because it's not regulated like a prescription drug is, to go one of those state provisioning centers.
0: You just mentioned about caregivers and um, them extracting. You know, they, mm-hmm. they grow it and they extract it. Um, what are the forms of extracted THC um, uh, available to patients, and are there some that are better than others, especially um, as it relates to cancer patients?
1: Sure. So the the most common one people probably think of is smoking it whether that's traditional, um, like a cigarette type device, or if it's vaporizing, it so vaping, or kind of an e-cigarette idea, um, but with not, not with tobacco. Um, there's tinctures, there's the edibles, which is the other one I think people think of after smoking as edibles. But tinctures, oils, um, topical creams, topical oils, patch. There's several different forms. I, in general, recommend that people do not smoke, Um, their products for a couple of reasons. Number one, it can have other toxins in it. Um, As I said before, they may not be able to report out if there's fungus in it. So it's a plant. We have fungus that just grows normal on plants, especially in cancer patients. If their immune system is down and now they're smoking something going into the lungs that has fungus on it, they can end up with a fungal pneumonia. And I've actually seen that happen from patients who um, inhale um, marijuana. And that's not even just the smoking, like the cigarette, but even like the vaporizers, um, also can. They don't get rid of that fungus that's on there,
0: so it's a risk. I mean, just like if you know you get a salad, you usually wash it off. You can't wash off the the leaf, the, the leaf. Yeah. So.
1: so that, so I worry about that. So I, the tricky part is for patients who need something to work quickly smoking is going to work the quickest. So that's tricky because if they're using another product, I encourage most of my patients to use like an edible, um, but it takes, you know, two to three hours for the full effect. And so that can be difficult when someone wants it for nausea. If they need something to work really quick, it can take a little bit. I mean, you can get an effect a little sooner, but the full effect is two to three hours. But the other forms other than any type of inhalation you're are the safest for patients, um, and I encourage most of our cancer patients that also our breast cancer patients if they smoke it in marijuana is not pro-hormone or pro-estrogen however when the patients smoke it there's something that happens in this smoke the condensation part of the smoking it that actually is pro-hormone or pro-estrogen so if our women who have breast cancer and have hormone positive breast cancer that is not good so i encourage them to use other forms of it because of that
0: mentioned about the edibles Obviously, comes top of mind as a brownie. Um, but are there other forms of edibles outside of brownies?
1: Yeah, I think the most common ones I actually see now are gummies. Okay. That, yes, they do look like gummy bears, like candy um, and cookies. So, those are, there's other forms as well, but those are the most common ones that I've seen. You know, I will, though, if people use, just be cautious about where you have them at your home, <laughs> who's around them. You hear stories on the news sometimes of kids getting their hands on them, bringing them to school. Especially because some of them, I have patients where they do look like little gummy teddy bears and a child is not going to know that that's not a child candy. (laughs) So just being careful when you buy those edibles. But yes, there's, I don't even have patients doing brownies much anymore. It's more of the cookies and the gummies um, that most folks are doing.
0: You also mentioned um, a patch and you said that, you know, if someone wants uh, an immediate effect or a quicker effect to smoke it, would the patch be a little bit quicker than an edible just because I'm thinking like a, a not smoking patch remember yeah, whatever. It's putting the nicotine no. right into the bloodstream.
1: No, it's the patch is going to take longer because it's got to get in through your skin and okay. it's going to be the, but the patch is going to give you is something that's almost more sustained, kind of something that's longer acting. So it gets into your system and then it's kind of staying there at a certain level versus it kind of ramps up and comes down. You take another one, goes up and comes down. It kind of gives you like this stable, stable effect, but it's not going to be quick. Probably the next quickest might be like a tincture or something that you're dropping under your tongue because of how your body absorbs under your tongue versus actually from your stomach. The absorption under your tongue is much quicker than under your stomach. Not as fast as your lungs, but much quicker than your stomach. So some of the different tinctures and things, putting them under your tongue, you may get a little bit quicker than if it's something you actually have to swallow.
0: The medical marijuana laws have been around since 2008. It's now 2019. In this 11 years, how have you seen uh, an increase um, over that time of people requesting to get a medical marijuana license?
1: Sure, I think so initially when it was approved in 2008 it went into effect, we didn't have incredible uptake to be honest. Um, we actually did a survey of our cancer patients um, inpatient at that time and not that many people were really that interested in it, it was a, the people who were asking about it were people who were already recreational using it and wanted to legalize what they were doing. In my experience that that's really what we saw. It wasn't until the past couple years where the uptake has been really huge and I think actually, from the recreational standpoint, I think from we heard from states like Colorado, Washington who had that that first hearing those. but then I think the explosion of CBD oil after that hemp law went into effect, the the farm bill is really because it's now everywhere. And so everybody's talking about getting in on it. And, and with the recreational almost decriminalizing it, I think some patients are more apt now to think about it for their medical condition in cancer, whereas before they may not have felt as comfortable. Uh, and I think it took a long time for providers to get comfortable writing for it. Um, so I've seen a huge uptick. I would say, within the past year or two. Um, I think it's owing to just being talked about overall with all the states doing it, the the Farm Act, um, and then the re- recreational passing It's just skyrocketed. Um, I think when recreational, when they get the regulation figured out, um, I think we're going to see a huge increase in not just from cancer patients. I think we're going to especially college students, I think we're going to see a large increase of people utilizing, taking advantage of that law.
0: Well, Shauna, I really appreciate the time uh, you took today. And I think this is some really good information. I know it always seems to be an issue in a lot of different aspects. And you you see it portrayed in a fun way in movies and and TV shows when when people have uh, some sort of serious disease like cancer. But um, I think this is really good, helpful information as we wrap up. Is there anything that we've, we've missed or something that you want to make sure is a key takeaway from today's talk?
1: Sure. I would just encourage patients, if you're going to utilize any type of marijuana product, whether it's CBD, something with THC, whatever, even if you don't have a medical marijuana card, to make sure your provider knows. Um, because there can be drug interactions, so we need to help manage those with you. There can be side effects or other things going on. And it's not illegal for you to tell us. We do, There's no reporting that occurs, even though you know federally it's still illegal. We don't report it, but we can help take care of you better as a patient. If you're honest with us, don't feel judged. Um, it's very common that people are using it. So be open and honest with your provider to let them know so that we can make sure the other things that we're assisting you with, we can do it all safely.
0: Great. Well, thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for listening. And tell us what you think of this podcast by rating and reviewing us. If you have suggestions for additional topics, you can send them to cancercenter at med.umish.edu or message us on Twitter at umrogocancer. You can continue to explore the three P's of cancer by visiting rogocancercenter.org.